hello, hello. This is one one sec, Zach. I had to plug you in. There we go. All right, you're in. When you plug me in, I can feel it. You know. Yeah. There's for some reason someone le the there used to be two aux cords, and I come in today, and it's gone. Someone has stolen the other aux cord. Well, maybe you should aux for one. <laughs> maybe what? I should. If you guys have an um, aux cord, uh, you guys can call in if you want um, and offer us your aux cord. Um, hey, the hey, phone number. Aux cord. Oh, hi. Are you? Do you have an uh, aux cord for us? Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you Do you want it? <laughs> yeah. Come, come to okay. Radio Radio Free Brooklyn. Um, okay. which just type in Radio Free Brooklyn and you can show up and give us an aux cord. Okay. All right. <laughs> bye, bye bye. Nice. Old lady, I guess. Um, but if you want to call us, uh, I don't know how that person called us, but uh, if you want to call us, you can call us at 718-673-8201. Um, and, uh, I guess they they knew the number. That's yeah, pretty cool. They, they call in a um, lot. Yeah, all the time. But I'm, uh, I'm Sam. And I'm Zach Ferguson. Mm -hmm. And together we create the Voltron-esque copyright uh, being known as, well, Voltron is TM'd, I imagine. Yeah, uh, you're copywriting something that's that already been copyrighted. No, no, I'm just throwing it out that that they are copy. Anyways, oh, that's okay. beyond, besides the point, we come together as a Voltron-esque TM uh, being called Two Thumbs Undecided, not copyright, so please don't steal this. Uh, that yeah, we need to copyright this name. I've been trying to, but I... Yeah, I, I'm not in um, law or mm -hmm. TM law or I actually copyright don't, law. I don't think, correct, we'll, we'll introduce our guest. We have a very great, what? Oh, yeah. We have a great well, guest just, that we're going to introduce in a second, um, and maybe we can ask him, because I feel like he might know uh, a little bit about maybe something to do with law, with copyright or something, maybe more than I. But I, mm -hmm. I feel like you cannot copyright a name. I feel like I heard that somewhere that you can't copyright a name. You now, can copyright yeah, a brand. You took a yeah, I did minor in entertainment business, and I remember seeing that on a test, and I forget if I got it right or wrong. <laughs> you just didn't fill it. You saw it on a test. You're I, like, nah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fill that out. Yeah, I, I don't think I took the time to it. answer that question. You, you were busy. You're. Busy. I got other questions um, to answer. But like you previously just said, uh, we do have an amazing guest uh, coming who can tell us about all the laws in the world. Um, but uh, firstly, some real quick film news. Um, I couldn't do I couldn't do this show today unless I, I paid tribute to the late great uh, Kevin Conroy, who mm. Sam and I uh, and the world grew up for many many years as the voice of Batman uh, slash Bruce Wayne. Uh, from Batman the Animated Series in the 90s yeah. uh, to Batman Beyond, the Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Static Shot. I mean, he was in basically was the voice of Batman. Yeah. Uh, and Much like how... Only um, 66 years old. Mark Hamill uh, was... It, you know, there, there's plenty of Jokers, but Mark Hamill's voice of the Joker is what we think of. And I think the same goes for the Animated Series. In my opinion, I feel like the idea of Batman was cemented in my mind and a lot of people are in our age group um where i'm not going to say how old i am because i want to keep it a mystery um but 
in our age group, I feel like Batman the animated series was the the pinnacle, you know. Or even uh, Batman the Ar- um, Batman Arkham Asylum or Arkham City. Yeah. So like Same it went voices. into the games. Yeah. Sa- yeah. Uh, exactly. Uh, so a sad the uh, how do you, passing. How did he, what what a how cancer. Did he pass? Oh. Man. He had the cancer. I don't know which cancer, so but young. Uh, yeah, sixty-six. Man, there's but, been a lot of um, deaths. I feel like recently. I know. So that uh, and uh, so I had to pay tribute real quick. So live forever uh, through the voice. Um, but some up, you know, some other film news is that the uh, show Fargo is back. Uh, they are oh. starting to film in Calgary, season five. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see anything about who's going to be in this. What season but, is this? Uh, oh, you said season five. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Wow. Season quattro, if you will. I will. Uh, uh, thank you. Um, so we should be seeing some good. I mean, they have. I haven't finished season four, but the bit I have seen. Uh, I mean, it had all the goodies in it. Mm. So I'm well, excited. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah. More good TV shows coming out. I currently am working on a show uh, called George and Tammy, which is being um, distributed currently. Um, I feel like I, I mean, this none of this is secret information, but um, it is very the tough. The trailer for it is out. Already. Yeah. No, the trailer's out. Uh, it's going to be on Showtime um, and Paramount. The first two, well... The rights to who owns it has changed many a times. It was going to be purely Paramount, but now it is both Paramount and Showtime. The Showtime one doesn't have commercials, um, but Mm. we have yet to receive the... Okay, maybe I shouldn't be airing out my... (laughs) Yeah, uh, we can air that out on our next episode. Yeah, yeah. Once once it's delivered, I can air out my frustration with... um... Yeah, we'll call it the airing of grievances. I mean, it is almost Festivus time, so we can do the airing of grievances. But I don't want to get sued by the Larry, David, and Seinfeld. You know, I've been watching a bunch of Seinfeld recently. Um, It's a good show. Great. Good stuff. Great. Where they they have great uh, <laughs> autumnal clothing in that. They, they, yeah, they, they look a... so comfy. Like George uh, George Costanza and uh, Seinfeld have really great sweaters. Same with um, the movie uh, When Harry Met Sally. Great sweaters. Are, are you talking about just they were just oh sweaters? We okay. should do an episode on sweaters in movies and it's getting cold. And it oh is my goodness, very cold. People across the film world have worn great sweaters. Oh, boy. Um, the sweater that uh, Chris Evans wore in um, Knives Out. Mm-hmm. Nah. I, I forget what it is. He's like talking to the main character or uh-huh. the main protagonist. Um, protagonist and uh, just really great stuff. So, yeah, maybe we will do just on sweaters. Yeah. It is getting that chilly um, time of the year. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know I'm doubling up. It's getting pretty cold here in New York. Wow, we have oh, New York's today, always we, cold. We have people from all sides of the country. Um, oh, I love living in the 21st century. I know we can talk to whoever we want, whenever we want. Um, but today we have a very, very special uh, guest. Ah, uh, yes, dear, uh, a friend of mine um, from way back when, when I used to work at Capitol Records. Um, hello, Possum Hill. 
How's hello. it going, y'all? Hey, possum. It's going good. Hello, oh, hello. Great. Hello. So um, I was I was listening to your film news. And <laughs> okay. I I am a you know have always been a huge Seinfeld fan myself. Mm. And and I'm glad it's it's good to see new people kind of like rediscovering because I'm also a huge Curb Your Enthusiasm yeah. uh, fan and the genius of Larry David really shines in the Seinfeld. You know, you can tell the the you know the stuff that that he wrote is just it's, it still holds up. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I and oh, and the comfiness of Jared like of the clothes you're dead on like. Jerry wearing mocked soft turtlenecks, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I think Kramer had the most style on that show. Yeah, but I think oh, yeah. I think Costanza was the straw that stirred the drink. Mm. Wow, <laughs> that's an interesting phrase. I'm gonna use that more often. Um, I I feel like I grew up watching Seinfeld, but I I always kind of uh, grouped it in with Friends and a lot of like the sitcoms of like the late '90s, early 2000s, and I was kind of like, ah, it's fine. But as I've, especially since moving to New York, and as like I've kind of I'm now that age group of what those people light. are, I'm kind of like seeing it in a new light, um, and. It's just, it's, it's, I don't think, I think mean people are timeless. Like, mean people comedy is timeless. <laughs> like, uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Seinfeld, Abbott and Costello, like, things in which people are just, like, not really great to each other will never not be funny. Um, whereas, I don't know your thoughts, Possum, but I feel like Friends has kind of aged a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. Well, the Friends thing is, um, I ne- you know as a I was never a big fan of that show compared to Seinfeld but uh truth be told um you know if you've watched friends the gentleman that played Gunther on friends mm-hmm. lived in my building really um, and, oh. we, and we became good friends with him and his wife and unfortunately he passed away last year oh. uh James Michael Tyler but he was a great guy um and you know I have I keep friends you know, in a good light because of that. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking straight show versus show, mm-hmm. I think Seinfeld blows it out of the water. And you're right about the whole like, you know, antagon- antagonistic and and being mean to, you know, those those things always work. <laughs> yeah. You know, you you really kind of need to have that that you know, push and pull. I think in a really good sitcom. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I, and also in the in the '90s, you did have shows where people were straight up just assholes, like Married with Kids and yeah. whatever well, like 80s. Fox had. No, uh, Married with mm, Kids. That was '80s. Married with, Married with Children. Married with Children. Children. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what did I say? <laughs> Married with Kids. Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. Oh no, that's. A, I'm that's sure a that was a whole show in an alternate universe. That's funny. Uh, I'm I sure. Love that. I'm just imagining like executives just being like, okay, which one is better? Married we have marriage with kids and marriage with children, and the decision took like a month to decide, <laughs> and somehow like someone they drew out like someone, but it was outvoted by like one, and they chose hey, children. T- to tie it back to uh, you know Larry David, it's all about the phrasing and the writing, you know. To so I guess yeah. married with true yeah. children, yeah. one out. It, it's um, like you know with with uh, Larry and Susie on Curb Your Enthusiasm, you know that constant bickering and <laughs> and you know being mean to each other. I mean, it's really the well, it's really the life, it's the bloodline of that show. Here, here's the hard hard question: Curb Your Enthusiasm or Seinfeld? Oh. 
Ooh. You had to choose. Wow. I mean, I would go curb your. I would go. Oh, no, that's hard. No, yeah, because go you got to go with the OG, right? You got, I mean. I, see, that. I say curb off the bat because I feel like I can throw on a curb, like, clip. Because I watch a lot of clips, you know, mm-hmm. just they, like just, and I find I can throw on a clip of Curb more so than I can because the laugh track with Seinfeld does, in some ways, deteriorate it. Mm, I agree. They, like, interesting. I agree. I, I, you know what? I that's a good point. And the fact that with Curb, I love the fact that they just walk in with, okay, here's the idea. Uh-huh. All right, this is what's going to happen. You're going to do this go uh-huh. where it's not all like you know scripted and you know they they give people the opportunity to really flourish like like jb smooth uh-huh. like mm, yeah Leon I love is, how... leon's my favorite character on that show Wasn't and he's in JB the fifth smooth? season i think yeah. he doesn't show up to like the fifth season of the no, show no he was like the first season no no, no he's oh, right really? sam yeah he, he, oh he wow up. He He's a li- when Vivica A. Fox, when she showed up, he oh. she, he came in as as her brother, and then oh. he and Larry obviously realized that this guy's gold, uh-huh. and mm-hmm. he's been on the show ever since. Uh huh. Ever ever since he said the word uh, ejaculate. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think that I think that's what established him as a great partner with uh, Larry. Yeah. Um, okay. See, now, since we're on this, uh, and I want to ask both of you individually, uh-huh. name your favorite Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. Well, I haven't seen as much Kirby enthusiasm as I feel like Zach has. Um, I have, but if I would choose the ones that I I think of of like what are my favorites, uh, it's the one where <laughs> they bring a Holocaust survivor and <laughs> someone from the show Survivor <laughs> together yes. for dinner, and then the guy from Survivor is saying how his life was hard. And the Holocaust survivor is like, what are you talking about? It's like, I thought we were supposed to, because I think Larry got confused who to bring or something, or like he got confused what they meant by survivor. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that was, that's probably my favorite. That's a great one. What about you, Zach? Um, Off the top of my head, I feel like that, and I would have to think like, but the whole plot with Mocha Joe Despite oh, yeah. ref- I know that's not one maybe that first episode, but that whole season has just is a great arc in just the spite restaurant and Mocha Joe is a character who was just a back like just a one off. Um I think that that whole deal was so probably that first or last episode. Mm. Yeah, that season that season was great. I personally like I love the Michael J. Fox episode. Oh yes. <laughs> I think that's called like Larry versus uh, Michael J. Fox, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And oh, the whole fact that they, you know, Michael J. Fox was cool enough to, you know, be open to playing with the fact that he does have Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. And they, they literally made, they made a comic genius off of that situation. You know, he was cool with it. And I just, I thought it was really, you know, crafty how they did that. And, uh, I also like the the there's the beginning I forget of which season but they're just walking down the street and Larry David just knocks over one of like the scooters or whatever and like causes a giant like domino and they like no one addresses it he just like pushes them like for no reason he just pushes them all down and he like keeps doing that to like every single scooter he walks by um 
But anyways, I feel like we could talk about Seinfeld and all and of this. And Curb, stuff. and maybe, yeah, maybe even and get we could into the talk about it more a little comedy. bit later. But I, I want to talk about. I mean, Possum is a friend, but also he has uh, a lot to say about um, the industry, uh, the music side, the film side. You've been all over. Um, so tell, tell, tell the audience. What is your? We'll start with the present. What What do you do now in this world? Right now, I am a vice president, head of content and creative for eighteen twenty four at Universal Music Group. And eighteen twenty four is a team uh, that we have assembled um, of of you know young creatives between the ages of eighteen and twenty four that are in school or just out of school. Um, you know, content creators from across the country, whether they're directors, they're videographers, editors, uh, you know, uh, motion graphics, um, you know, brand partnerships, things of that nature. And it's all, it it goes through the center. Um, they call it the center. It's the main hub of universal music group. Wow. And I, and I started in September after uh, after a run as as senior director of video production over at Capital, uh-huh. um, and I, I really I really enjoy it. You know, for one of the many reasons is I like the mentoring uh-huh. part, which Sam obviously mean you have a, a history with that, uh-huh. which we can get into. But I really yeah, enjoy definitely. the mentorship and being able to share the knowledge that I've you know gained over the years, and but also um, UMG and Twitch. This is another big reason I took the job. Uh, UMG and Twitch, um, you know, brokered a deal together, and uh, Twitch has financed a UMG Twitch channel, the official UMG Twitch channel, which is called Three Point Five. Uh-huh. And I direct um, the, the Three Point Five Live program, Whoa. which is like concerts and and you know bigger performance shoots. Like we we've done a couple so far. We did Lindsey Sterling, and then we just did a big one with Griffin. Um, just over a week ago at LA Historic Park, that was a live stream. Um, I love the live streams because I, I love the adrenaline yeah. that you get when you're like you're in the truck and you're on the knobs and uh-huh. you're uh, and you're you're cutting live. I just that's that's probably my favorite part of the of the job that I do. So well, you're um, I mean, that's what you're you have uh, one of the coolest heads I've I've seen um, in the biz when I've when I've seen you work. I feel like you're great for those kind of like really intense on the moment kind of shoots. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, like, were you always kind of like, did you, did you always want to go into like being like these really intense, uh, like directing like live action or, uh, live performances? Was that something that you've always fascinated with? Or is that something that you kind of slowly kind of came into through other avenues? kind of kind of slowly came into it through other avenues because like honestly i i moved to los angeles as a drummer um Mm. i wasn't you know i i film and and things of that nature weren't really on my radar it was all about music Mm -hmm. um and then you know i spent my 20s playing in bands and was fortunate enough to be signed a few times never broke like super big or anything but got to tour the got to tour the country for a few years and um but then as far as video is concerned, how I got into that, like, um, I have two, two main loves in this world that like, I would call my hobbies, and that's music and sports. Mm. So during my band days, I, in one of my bands, 
my singer's best friend worked at Fox Sports and he was a director. And after our shows, you know, we'd have parties and we, me and him wind up talking about sports all night. Um, and he just knew I was really passionate about it. And this band that I'm talking about, you know, we had just lost our record deal and, you know, I'm in what's next mode. And he said, dude, I could probably get you an internship at Fox Sports if you're interested. And I was like, hell yeah. yeah. So I started um, going there, doing that on the weekends, like learning how to cut highlights for college football and NFL football. Uh -huh. So I, you know, between my, you know, I kept playing in bands. So I would, I, then I got a job at Fox as a freelance. So I would, when I wasn't on tour, I'd go to, I'd work freelance at Fox. And then when I was on tour, I'd do my band thing. But so was doing that. And then at Fox Sports, this producer um, who, you know, thought I could maybe bring something to the table on camera, which I never thought about being on camera in my life. But yeah, I had a big mouth and he, and I think he liked my confidence. And he said, look, I want to give you, are you cool if, uh, if I send you with a cameraman to go to the work tour? I want you to interview some bands because we're doing a, an action sports show pilot. Would you be interested? I'm like, yeah, that sounds fun. So did that, turned, turned the footage in, didn't think anything about it. And then two or three weeks later, he, he hits me back. He said, yo, you're actually pretty good at this. Would you want to be on the show? Wow. And the show is called 54321. And it was an action sports show with uh with Wee Man, Rick Thorne, and Leanne Tweeden as the host. And I was like, yeah, that sounds fun. So I was I was an entertainment host on that show and they would send me to red carpet events and send me to like, you know, X game type things. Yeah, I, um, I, I was looking at a video earlier of your uh, Playboy Halloween party. Yes, yes, that <laughs> that was part of the that was one of my five three my five four three two one assignments. Yeah. Here I wanna I want to play some audio. Get to go? I want to what sec sec. I want to play some audio for that real quick. I have the video up. I don't think you guys can hear it, but this is this is when was this? This was like the 2000 mid mid, mid 2000. Mid 2000. All right. So this is possum in mid 2000. Let's see who okay. is on so, the calendar that year. Halloween party. So come on before I get drenched. <laughs> Hearing someone yell. <laughs> Pop, I made it. Whoa. I'm hanging out with my man. He's hanging, talking to Q Hefner hey, right now. The best party, so <laughs> oh. Thank you. Happy Halloween. Woo. <laughs> okay, that's good. All right. Well, so um, we didn't hear any of that, but Possum, you lived it. So how is it like, you know, just being in that scenario? It's so weird because, you know, my father especially, like, you know, he he was like, yeah, you're in a band. I know you're having fun, blah, blah, blah. But when I did two events, I did I did one where I went to the Playboy Mansion for a Red Bull X Games party. And then uh, this this Hugh Hefner, this uh, Playboy Halloween party that you just played. And I called him. I remember I called him from the Playboy Mansion. And I was like, hey, Pop, you're never going to believe where I'm at right now. <laughs> and... and I it was over the phone, but I could sense like a a a, a thing of pride and glee. He was so happy, like he was more proud about that than my other accomplishments. So um, it was it, it was funny. It was it was it was really cool because you know I've never thought about doing anything on camera at all. So it was it was just kind of a fun thing. And plus, my love of music, you know, they they really sent me to do a lot of the band stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And I knew a lot of the band, so that kind of worked out and played into it. Mm. Also, the videos I saw, yeah, you you met a lot of people who you know were coming up, but also now are cute. I mean, the one I saw was the Katy Perry interview. I guess yeah, the girl. Uh, was that when you were at Capitol, or was that? No, that that was that was pre Capitol. Like, wow. Yeah, so it's interesting how I got the Capitol gig. Like, so I went from five, four, three, two, one. That show lasted like a season. And then it got canned. And then I hosted a NASCAR show on Speed Channel for two seasons. And then I got into like this, you know, this mobile, you know, like the mobile um, video world. And I was doing a thing for Revolver magazine. But we would go down to South by Southwest mm-hmm. and, and interview all the bands. And that's the first time that I had met uh, Katy Perry. Mm-hmm. And I, we did an interview with her. But, you know, I... I knew a couple of people that worked at Capitol. Um, I pitched a documentary series uh, for one of the Capitol artists called Sick Puppies. And um, the, the, the series was called uh, Countdown to Release. And basically, we did 10 episodes, short form, where we followed uh, a band all the way from the, re, you know, writing the songs for the album, recording the album, mm. you know, the going into the record label to, to pick the first single, doing the radio tour up to the release of the actual album. So I, we, we did that. They signed off on it. They liked it. And then shortly after, my job turned into a freelance thing, and I saw that Capital was hiring. So I approached the person that approved the documentary series that he liked, um, and they got me in there, and I was hired. Wow. And you were there for how long? Ten years. Ten years. Man. I know. Wow. Crazy. And you were, you, it was the same job the entire time? You were, like, head of the... the... No, no, no. I started off, I started off as, uh, as manager of video production, okay. and I was, I was literally the guy with the camera, mm. and I would go and film everything, all the behind the scenes, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And then I uh, developed this performance series called One Mic, One Take mm, yeah. that we that we turned where we wound up branding. Um, so that went from manager to director to senior director. Now, so like you didn't you did not you didn't go to film school. You didn't like you weren't, you know, doing I that. Didn't. Like, so how like when you first started as a director, like when you were given like your first camera to like shoot, OK, we're paying you money now. Go like how were you stressed or were you just like so confident? Like, yeah, fuck man, I'm going to do this. Like, how was like when you first started out? It was a slow thing. Like, you know, I started learning how to produce pieces when I was doing the five, four, three, two, one show, because, you know, in addition to going out and filming the segments, I would, you know, produce the pieces and go into an edit bay with an editor. Mm. And then I would do the same thing on the, uh, on the NASCAR show. Um, so I was, you know, basically a producer as well as on air talent. But then once, uh, with the revolver gig, when I, when I picked up a camera and as, as you know, Sam and Zach, you may know as well, or anybody out there, you know, when you're filming something, you know, I was always editing in my head mm-hmm. as I was filming it, Yeah, you know, just trying to, you know, knowing that I want to, you know, how I wanted to look at the end of the day. Cause mm-hmm. Um, especially when you're, when it's lower budget and you're doing short form stuff, you know, you're probably not gonna, you know, hire out a, a, a different editor to do those kind of things. Yeah. But you know, that's where I got into that. And then the directing thing, I, it kind of came natural to me for some reason, like, like in my bands, I was kind of the one that was kind of like ran the ship, 
for whatever reason. I, feel I just like kind that's of took on that role. The drummer. Normally, that's like. Yeah, well, the singer, the singer, or the guitar player, a lot of yeah. times run the ship. But like, like as far as like the business, mm -hmm. you know, um, I do know a lot of drummers in this world that were in bands and they've gone on to be managers oh. because they kind of like you know knew the nuts and bolts of the business and kind of like ran things on that end. Huh. I mean, I guess oh, you, you are you are kind of the the person who's keeping you know everyone in line, like in the in the playing the music itself. You're you're making the beat, so I guess that. That's interesting. Yeah, because I'm I'm wondering there that a lot of people make movies, but they are just sometimes they can, or they make things and it's it's junk and it's obvious that y your stuff you know was propel and like was broadcast and people liked it. So I'm trying to see uh, perhaps maybe being in the band and just the like the, just that creativity, that underlying creativity kind of ebbed into your eventual directorial debut. It, it it may have, and believe me, I, I, you know, I came up and put out some crappy stuff too, stuff that I wouldn't show anybody. Oh. But I will say, you didn't bring on any crappy stuff for for us. Exclusives? Can you, do you have any well, exclusives on exclusive your phone crap? or something? Yeah, from yes, like the... that, that's one of <laughs> our segments. All right, yeah, that's it's a segment. It's called, later the, on. it's called the junk folder. Um, <laughs> yes, but you know, I think one thing I will say is, as far as the music tie-in. Being a drummer made me a really helped when it came to editing mm. because all my music stuff, I, I edit to beats like the kick and the snare, all my cuts I do. I, I really cut to music and then and even like when we're doing like the live stream stuff, I'm cutting to the beat. Mm. And I, I think uh, yeah. I think, you know, just being rhythmic and playing drums in that way mm -hmm. um, helped when it came to editing. I, it's always interesting. It's always interesting to me how, uh, like, what you do. You never really know, like, what you're doing now and how it kind of will impact what you, how you're good at something semi different in the later on. When I was, so I worked with uh, Possum. I was an intern at Capitol Records. That's how I know Possum. Uh, and one of the first jobs, I will also say. I mean, I guess we can get into this as well. But like, one of the the that internship was so fascinating because I got to work immediately. I met Possum the first day I was for the first day of the internship. I was like, wow, this guy's really intense. And I, <laughs> I don't know, like I, I was, I was kind of like, these are like the big wigs of Capitol Records. And immediately you gave me a job in my, in Arsham as well, who's been on the show, a job to edit, um, what was his name? Albin? Uh, does that ring a bell? He's, Albin. He was, Albin. He was like a, um, he was a, uh, it was like an outside, um, uh, uh, he was like jamming on like outside. Um, I like think from, I know what you're talking about. Yes, yes, yes. He's from he, Sweden yeah, he was, or something. Yeah. Um, and wasn't he like, he performed outside in New York City? Yes. Yeah, that's it. And so yeah. like you, there was three different videos and you were just like, edit that. <laughs> and I was like, oh. All right. But I I was very interested in the coloring of it as well. Like I, I put that on my resume or like whenever I was trying to get into like the coloring world, I was like I colored or I helped colored and edit this these videos. Um, and that was kind of like the spark of like me being like, oh, this is this is fun, like this coloring part of it. Um, that's that's cool, because I mean, honestly, when it comes to an internship, 
you know, going in, you probably don't know it maybe exactly what you want to do, but that, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's really good. I think that something came out of that where you're like, you know what, this is the direction that I'm kind of mm-hmm. fascinated with. And I want to, I want to move forward with, you know, um, that's good. Yeah. And I like pretty soon after, um, capital, I, I interviewed you and you were talking about, um, uh, for when you were working at, uh, Fox, I thought this was a very interesting story because um, I, I interviewed you for a negotiation class and it was something about like how to be a leader. I forget what the prompt was, but you, you had a story about how um, whenever like what do you do like when you fuck up or something and you said yeah. there was one time that you played the wrong tape or something and yep. you just owned up to it and he's like, my bad, like I'm. I'm really sorry. And I, I actually think about that a lot. Like if I ever mess up, I'm like, the only thing I can do is just like, just say my bad, like it's not going to happen again. Um, yeah, you got, I mean, you got to own up to it. I remember that it was, uh, you know, it was for Fox sports news. We, you know, it was like their, their show like sports center pretty much where they play highlights and I was doing tape playback. Um, and that, so I'm in there in the control room and the director and the producer are calling out what they want to see next as we're going off a rundown. Hmm. And in sports, if any of fans of sports out there, if you watch Sports Center, you know they may talk about the same team or the same athlete like three or four times in one show, depending on what happened that day. And I remember there were a few tapes with this with this team or this athlete's name on it or whatever. And I gave the I gave them the wrong tape, and the guy came back and he's like, "What the hell?" And you know, I looked at the tapes and I looked at him and I was like, I was like, you know what? I screwed up. Yeah. I was like, I, I gave the wrong tape. Things were going fast and furious back here. That's on me. And he like looked at me. He took a deep breath and he put his hand on my shoulder. He's like, all right, understood. I know you didn't mean, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's a mistake. Things happened. And thank you for owning up for owning up to it. Because mm-hmm. he was telling me, you know, if I would have tried and BS my way out of it, he would have lost total respect for me because he, he knew I screwed up. Mm-hmm. I knew I screwed up. And when you, I think when you, the people that try and make excuses and get out of things, you know, you're really ruining your own rep, mm-hmm. you know, because like if I would have tried to lie my way out of that, first of all, he knew I, he knew I was, you know, I don't know, full of crap. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he wouldn't, he, he wouldn't trust me or, or value my work after that. So, you know what? It's like, hey, man, you know, I, I'm owning up to this. I made a mistake. But I'm telling you, that's not going to happen again. And I got you. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I, if anyone ever asks me, like anybody I'm mentoring or whatever, I just ask the same thing because, you know, just let, we're, let's all be real here. Because like, say, for instance, say if you're on a, a film shoot and you sent this PA to pick up you know, this, this, some speed rail for the Dana dolly or whatever. And then they forgot it or whatever. And if he tries to tell me, well, you know, no one told me to pick that up. And then, you know, I'm going to, I can't rely on this person ever again because they're literally trying to BS me to my face. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we all make mistakes. It's just, you know, you, you, you you own up to them when you, when, when need be. Um, But you try, you try not to do that stuff again too. You, You just, as you know, as both of you, you know, I'm fully aware, like in this world, especially like in film production, where you're, you know, you're on set with a lot of different people, a lot of different producers, directors, what have you. 
you know, it's always about making a great impression and not burning any bridges uh-huh. um, because you want to get called back. You want to keep working. Uh-huh. True. I And I also feel like just in the speed and how many gears are moving, there is no time to or really like if you do lie, it could mess up every like yeah. mess I- yourself like. It may not play well with like like the story wise, other like with other people. So yeah. it's just never uh, lesson out there. Never own up. Like like. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel like there's you 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 spend more time like you lose. There's so much time sometimes where people are just it, people are going around and blaming people, and you're wasting time when no one. Like, someone just needs to, even if, like, you didn't, I sometimes, like, if it's, like, multiple people who, like, a lot of things are going on, like, I'll just, I'll take the blame and, like, let's move on, you know? And, like, uh, if if oh. if it's just, I, like, want things to, like, move on. If I, if it was, hmm. if I did have something to do, if I was partially wrong as well, I wouldn't take the blame if I didn't do anything wrong. But, like, if it was, like, a bunch of things that were happening wrong, I'll be, like, okay, I did, you know, I messed up this thing. Like, let's move on and let's try to address this this problem and, like, let's move on from this. Um, yeah, I don't know. That was just a story that I always, I've always thought of uh, that you told me, Possum. You have a lot That's of life, cool. life lessons. Um, yeah, I, I definitely have a few of those. I've, I've learned a few along the way. And with your with your expertise and, and such, it's it's obvious that uh, um, it has shown off in spades and and helped poor young Sam become the colorist he is today. Though, when you first started off at Capital Music Group, did you did they give you a handful of interns, or was there kind of a, a period before um, that started? No, happening? it was well. So when I first got there, we we would have um, one intern for you know each quarter or one intern a year and then what happened was when umg came in and um took over capital music group and steve barnett who was the ceo and chairman of capital music group he implemented a a really great intern system Hmm. um that you know um which it was great It, it was only for the summer but each department would get one or two interns to based on the based on the size of the uh on the size of the department, but you know what he did was you know really try and seek out people from all over the country, um, you know in diverse universities, cultures, and you know bring bring young creative people that were really interested in the music business into our intern program, mm. and um, the program was very successful because we wound up you know getting a lot of people jobs at UMG or at Capital through the intern system. Mm. Um, but I, I really enjoyed that part. And as soon as that kicked in, I was they, they put me in charge of that. Mm-hmm. My, my boss at the time, Danny, for whatever reason, thought that I would be uh, a good person to work with the interns. And I never thought about it before then, but I, I really did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Oh man, how is oh Danny left right? Danny Lockwood. Yeah, Danny. Yeah, Danny left and he moved to Portugal and he's living his best life. That guy was just—I feel like—had such an amazing life. I feel like he was just always doing the craziest stuff. Like he went to dinner with like the the president of Mexico randomly, like the last time I talked to him. Oh yes, and then then the same time he's going to Burning Man now each year. He's uh, 
he is definitely, yeah, he's definitely experienced some amazing things and, uh, he's a great leader. He was mm-hmm. one thing I, you know, one, have a ton of respect for him Two, I just, I always liked the way he deals with people because of his job as he was SVP of creative senior vice president, you know, when you're how and he did all, he was a video commissioner for all of Katy Perry's videos during that era. And, you know, you're having to deal with the in the creativity of the artist, what your director wants, what the label wants and needs, and then dealing with the finances. Mm. And that's a, that's a really hard balancing act. And he was always very diplomatic and he was but he was always like strong and declarative, but, you know, never losing his temper, you know, and uh, I always respected that. And like he taught me like the art of crafting a proper email to you know, to send a message home to get what you need to get while still, you know, making sure everyone's egos are, you know, affected in the right way. Cause that, that really is, Mm. that really is a, um, that's a skill. That's a serious skill right there. That's an interesting thing you brought up because it really, once again, communication and writing is like key in the world, if you will. And I've always thought like, do I write the best emails? I am, I deal with medical folks. I work at a university of Pittsburgh and I have to email a bunch of doctors uh, and researchers saying, when, when are they good to, I make videos for studies, their studies. And I'm always thinking like, am I giving the proper respect to Mm. them? And, and, uh, but these people like the, Folks, you're talking about they're they're dealing with CEOs and apparently presidents of Mexico's, you know, it's <laughs> all that. Now, to that end, I have to ask you: Is it appropriate to start your email by saying "Dear so and so," "Dear like yeah. dear Mr. President"? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big "Dear so and so" person. I'm not. I'm not saying it's wrong, but I I don't. I don't rock my emails. Well, anyway. I the okay. if it's someone that you have not met, like this is the first time you've reached out to them, would you say, "Dear so and so"? No, I would go, "Hello, so and so." Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. See, this is something, and I'm, and I'm also, I'm also not on, on the tagline on my signature. I'm not a sincerely oh. kind of person. I never put sincerely, Possum Hill. Uh huh. What do you say? <laughs> Um, you know, either, either th- you know, thank you, or mm. you know, look forward to hearing back from you. Mm. Um, look forward to this. You know, tr- always trying to kind of like be positive. Yeah, you know, I can't feel- wait to work with you again. Things like that. I always say best because I I feel okay. like that's the best way to like. It's just I want literally the best for you. I end every message yes. by being like, I wish only the best things for you, Sam. Maybe I people like it. are. If I saw that, Sam, I would think you were talking about uh, the fifth Beatle, Stephen. That, that's Best. true. No, I, that would be Pete Best, right? Pete Best. Pete <laughs> Stephen Best. Thank Best. You. <laughs> Stephen <laughs> Best was actually the the, the sixth Beatle. Stephen uh, yeah. Stephen Best was the sixth Beatle, and he was the drum he was the drum tech. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who they really loved. Yeah. Um, I think mine is just Zachary Ferguson, and then all my. All oh, the credentials nice and things, but I yeah, there was a disagreement in our family. Uh, yeah, the, I, I heard about this as well um, from mother. Uh, but I will say to that end, I have stopped saying "dear," uh, which I've done for five years, and now I do 
hello because it did dawn on me people are like oh maybe i'm being too formal with them but um, no I, hey i think no everybody everyone's different you know you're also you're in the medical field and you're dealing with people's feelings and things like that i i i see nothing wrong with that i uh um oh go ahead Zach. i also wonder like i've worked so long in the medical field that when i ever do if ever switch over to the entertainment world it will be like a different way of contacting like, mm -hmm. folks like did you ever ha like have to uh, like set up uh, like besides like you worked with nascar folks but they're they're also in the end like i guess they're all entertainment i'm just wondering i don't know what my question is oh well, well the, the, NAS the nascar folks i mean well that that show was just based on pure comedy like like what we did our show was called infield hot pass and we covered everything at the race except the race mm. we covered mm, okay. all the infield shenanigans and and any kind of like um you know events happening around the race and it was really just kind of like ha having yep. fun with it so there wasn't a lot of formal you know um dialogue going on with with nascar per se speed channel kind of just let us do our thing did you do this during the around the time of Talligator Nights? Uh, yes, right. Oh. Yeah, like right because NASCAR was super hot then. Yeah, around the 2006 mm -hmm. area. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if NASCAR is going to, is it coming back? Like, I, I've, I don't know if, is NASCAR big now? Like, do people. It is, it is falling off dramatically. That, that was definitely its heyday. Oh. But what's happened now, or at least what's happened over the past few years. Um, one, it all depends on like, like, like if ESPN has the NASCAR contract, mm -hmm. then it gets popular again because it's on all the time. Mm -hmm. But when ESPN's not showing NASCAR, um, it greatly affects the viewership. Uh, but one, you know, the cost to run, you know, those teams are so expensive. And then, you know, the, what, what happened was at least a lot of the complaints that I've heard from people back where I grew up is that basically NASCAR went corporate and mm. instead of catering to their home fan base, you know, they, they drove up prices and, and it's all about like corporate sponsorships and they, mm -hmm. they kind of took the fun out of it. And you're like, if you watch a race, you know, on TV, you see a lot of empty seats now, whereas before it was like packed to the guild. Mm. I, I would imagine going to, I've never been to one. I imagine it would be really fun to, I mean, just like you're, you're feeling something like you don't really watch like there's not a whole lot of sports in which you feel the the cars flying by you can actually feel like players go by like you can actually feel what the cars like the engines and you feel that as they're like whooshing by i feel like it's a very yeah. interactive like being at the the i guess the stadium um would be incredible seeing i mean seeing cars you know like I remember a few times we were uh, right outside the outside wall doing stuff with fans or whatever, and hearing those cars, you know, fly by you at 190, 200 miles an hour is literally insane. It's like you talk about an adrenaline rush. And yeah. one one time we were doing the Brickyard 400 at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which is, you know, arguably the most famous speedway in the country. And we did this segment where they put me in the car in the passenger seat, oh my. and and they gave me just like a little test test run around. And I'll tell you what, I, I half of me was scared, half of me was like just so excited and adrenalized. But they these drivers 
they will take the car and they will literally drive inches away from that outside concrete wall, like inches at these super high rates of speed. Obviously, they didn't go as fast as they usually do when I was in a car. Um, but I was like, oh, my God, I just I, I had a, such a deeper appreciation of what they do. Yeah. Oh, wow. Did you afterwards, did you when you drove home, uh, did you <laughs> go like I, I everything's different now? I, I, I'm like a turtle. Yeah. Well, when I, well, when I, when I am on the 405, you know, I'll try to do some drafting. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll get behind somebody in the speed lane. I have to I'll say, try and get a, I'll try to oh, get a little you. wind, wind at my back, and then, and then, oh, you know, no, no one's, no one's giving me the, the slingshot, the shake and bake. But, um, yeah, I, I do the best I can. Driving in LA is, is, is very, di- I feel like in New York, people are very, uh, um, you know, are dangerous in a different way. But I, I, in LA, I remember I was coming back from a, a shoot and I saw someone cross like seven lanes of traffic perfectly like gliding between all, all the cars just like went the whole entire way. And it was like a very small gap that this car was like squeezing through every, it was very impressive. Whereas I feel like in New York, it would be like people would purposefully like hit something. Like it would, it would be much more aggressive, a lot more honking. Um, yeah, I think the car I, culture I, I is fascinating. Um, so, anyways, I I have a question, and this is something that I I we've we've had a few um, TikTokers on recently, and um, you know you're working in kind of new and current media, especially dealing with younger. Um, artists uh what do you do to keep up with the times like how do you try to like things are always moving so quickly how do you uh keep up with the times both with like art it like who's like pit like big artists and also like technology and like all these new uh variations of ways of seeing media well, got like for one thing you know like earlier when i was talking about the interns mm-hmm. the internship program one thing you know, and I've always said that I felt that I know the interns are learning a lot about the music business, but I also feel that we learned a lot from the interns as well about like, you know, what's new and what's, you know, as you know, the, the younger generation is so on mm-hmm. everything, the next thing, you know, so, um, you know, we, we do a lot of like chatting on set, you know, about these exact conversations, you know, what's new or like, you know, what, what's this new app or what's this new trend or what have you. And I can tell you, you know, just, you know, just coming from a, a record label over the past few years, it's really changed. Like the marketing meetings have literally changed from, you know, your normal, you know, okay, we got this single coming out. We're going to do a video. We're going to do day and date, which means we're going to put the song and the video out the same day. Two, now it's all about how do we get this song on TikTok? How do mm. we how do we get people to use a piece of this song to create their own videos and use it on mm. TikTok and spread the word like that? That's literally, you know, a, a it's the number one priority in these marketing meetings now of how to get that done. How and like is over, it? Is it- like I guess the only way of doing that on TikTokers is like paying influencers, or like would that? How would that be done? Well, I mean, you're you're right. I I think maybe some people are doing that, um, but like for example, I can use the Sam Smith thing with mm-hmm. Unholy that just blew up recently. Um, you know, him and him and Kim did 
a, a funny video of just them in the studio mm. just just having fun and, and dancing and that was like that was the premiere of the song mm. and they just played like this little snippet and what it did was you know it you know sam smith is, has been this incredible talented multi-grammy award winner um and over the last few years he's kind of really come out of the shell as far as showing his sense of humor and things like that but what that did was I mean, that, that really showed off that side of Sam. And they just gave that little snippet of this amazing beat of this amazing song. And then it just caught fire. You know, it's it's really about like instead of just playing the whole song and playing the whole music video for people right out of the gate. What little what little you know crumbs can you throw out there for people to nibble on mm -hmm. to to get to the, you know, the jackpot, which is the which is the whole song, the whole song and dance thing. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, how do you how do you get people and how do you entice people with throwing out these little nuggets mm. um, and, and like literally like going in and okay what 10 seconds of the song are we actually going to tease out? Mm. Do, do we do the chorus? Or are we just doing this part of the beat? Like these are like literal conversations that yeah. are happening. Mm -hmm. Is that a conversation? I mean, is the the artist is also like brought in? Like, what what part do you want, or is that purely like a marketing thing? No, the artist is definitely brought in on it. I think you know from the label side, you know, marketing teams are, are definitely like you know they have this idea and they'll go to management and say this is what we're thinking and, and then the artist we brought in or or even sometimes the artist will be their idea and they'll they'll tell their management management and then the manager will call the label and say this is what we're doing mm -hmm. this is what we want to do you know mm -hmm. um it, it really needs to be an all everyone on board team effort because you know as y'all know with socials mm -hmm. you know it you can't just rely on the artist to do the promotion mm -hmm. and you can't just rely on the label to do the promotion mm -hmm. you need to it needs to be artist label management fellow artist it, you just needs to it's a it's a big time strategy and you just need everyone on board for you to have a chance. Mm -hmm. Right. You never know who will uh, pick you up. Maybe uh, like Bobby Souffle or what's his name? Flay will like. Bobby Flay. Bobby, Bobby Flay. Will, will just be like, I love this new, uh, uh, this new artist. Uh, and then share it. It's funny you say Bobby Flay because his daughter lives right next to us Whoa. in the next loft in our building. Wow. Oh, man, you keep oh. living next to random stars. Yeah, it's or... it's weird because I, I live in Hollywood and that's oh, yeah. got to be the reason why. Wait, you but, live in Hollywood? Um, oh, yeah, I know where you live. You live you're, you yeah. live yeah. in the H. Man, yeah, we both we both have lived in Hollywood. You currently yes. and me. Not as good uh, of an area of Hollywood. <laughs> At Fountain and um, Whoa. Fountain this is when it gets and, real. What was it? Fountain. When, yeah, uh, are we, we're gonna start talking about Sam's time in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. We have four minutes left. Uh, yeah, just dish it out. Yeah, let's okay, dish it out. I, I, I'm gonna, we're gonna dish it out. I'm gonna give you the cliff notes. Yeah. Okay. But... Um. So Sam and Arsham, uh, they were <laughs> our interns for that year, and um, each each year they have to do a video at the end. <laughs> to kind of like, you know, showcase their work, but we also like to put a little twist to it. So I had made, I had asked both of them, I was, I'm like, have you ever seen the movie Step Brothers? And I think both of them at the time <laughs> no, said no. I, I, like, dude, yeah. <laughs> I was like, dude, that's your homework assignment tonight. I want you all to go home and watch Step Brothers and come back and meet with me tomorrow. So they did, because I thought it might be a, a great little spoof because they're both moving to Hollywood. They've mm -hmm. never lived together. At least I didn't think they yeah. did at that, at that time. And they just took it and ran with it and made this great video that honestly, 
um, you know, I showed every year to the next intern class. What? I was like, I, yeah, I was like, I've, this, this is the video. This is what we're talking about. Like how you meld your, you get to show your creativity, but you're also, you're playing this video for the entire Capital Music Group staff and all the interns. So you got a room of like 250 people, right? Mm -hmm. You need to make this video. You need to, it needs to be entertaining. And they, well, they 100% made it entertaining. I'm not sure who played the Will Ferrell or the John C. Riley role. You'd have to ask Sam. I have to be John C. Riley. I mean, look at his hair. I yeah, I mean, you're, you're dead set on that. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, at least I, I, I was the editor of that of that reel. I, I I've never seen this video, and I oh, the, oh, Sam, you have to show this Wait, video. It's classic. I, uh, Arsham, it's called the Step Interns, by the way. The, the the name of the film is called I don't Step know, Interns. I don't know where it is. I I think. Can you send it to me? Well, apparently I'll find I need it. it. Yeah. I will find it in the archives and send to you. But the, guess... before we before we end, because we have a, a minute left, uh, the song that we played uh, at the beginning of this episode was uh, one of Possum's favorite songs from Girl Pole. Uh-oh. Uh, oh. Which was uh, okay. His... Real, real, really quick. <laughs> a sec, the, the 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 second day, the Sam and Arsham were there. I brought them into my office. I'm like, hey, I want to know what your musical tastes are. So I asked each one of them to like, you know, play me a song or like. So they told me the song, and I put it up on Spotify. And Sam pulled out. He said, "Girl pool," and I play the song, and I'm like, 45 seconds in, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, should I be a complete a hole right now, or should I just were, be like nice and cool? You were about really it? nice about it, and then like yeah, later on, I, you were just I like, by I, the way, I, I, I hated that song. <laughs> I hit the pause button and I looked at him. I'm like, that might be the worst song I've ever heard in my life. Hey, you know what? Honesty. <laughs> but, Honesty and hey. communication. And yeah, then I think see, I also played Vampire about. Weekend. And you oh, didn't no, hate no, that. I, I, no, big respect for Vampire Weekend. I love Vampire oh, Weekend. Oh, really? Oh, well, yeah. That's I, like, we... I like them. But see, like, I like the harder stuff like Rage Against the Machine and yeah. those kind of things. And, yeah, and that's the complete pool. opposite of Girl Pool. So. <laughs>